Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Behind the Visual with Mark Hansen, the podcast where I interview all those people responsible for putting together those pictures and videos you see out in your world every single day. I, of course, am your host, advertising and lifestyle photographer, Mark Hansen. And today my guest is Jim DeBarros. Jim is an artist and a creative director at UM Worldwide. And before he was at UM, he was at Island Records, Sony Records, Electra Records, and lastly at MTV. So Jim has some really, really cool stories. He's got one about uh, not going on a trip to Jamaica that he turned down and was happy because the creative director, art, art director that went to that shoot ended up just almost getting into a machete fight on the shoot because the drug deal went bad just offset a little bit. So two guys got in a machete fight. So be sure and listen to that story. You'll also um, hear how Jim got his nickname, Wild Jim, from Dimebag Daryl of the band Pantera when he was working on some of their album covers. So you'll be shocked um, that that's the name they gave him. Also, a little story about working with a photographer, famed photographer, David LaChapelle, and a shoot they did that included Jay-Z and Britney Spears, to name a few, and what uh, the two stories that he gives us about Jay-Z and Britney Spears. And then he, one of the best stories you'll hear is at the end where he talks about going on a holiday party with the team that he was working on. They all wanted to go to a strip club and ended up getting kicked out. So stick around and listen for that and find out why they got kicked out. Also, like it, thumbs up it, comment on it, subscribe, all that kind of stuff, and let me know what you guys think. Yeah, thank you so much for um, agreeing to do this. I really appreciate it. Um, your artwork on Instagram is incredible, first of all. Oh, thank you. Thank yeah. you. That's that's really cool. I was checking that out and I was like, this dude can draw and he can I mean it's amazing. <laughs> the paint and the watercolors and all that. I mean, it was really cool. Thank Who's, you. Have you done one like have you had one like that's been commissioned for like by a celebrity or something like that? I mean, because I saw that you have celebrities in there and there's one commissioned, or if you just do them just because you like to do them. I I, I honestly I, I do them because I like to do them. Um, I've had commissions, but not, not from celebrities, right. unfortunately. <laughs> um, you know, I've, I've been, I've been very fortunate. I have a, I don't know, maybe a little over 2,500, uh, followers and, uh, among the followers, there are other artists, uh, other people who I follow and, and, and admire and like, um, so there's been some swapping of, of artwork, um, and exchanges, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Um, and then there, you know, then there are uh, millennials and Gen Z followers who think it's cool uh, if they have a, a, a hand rendered portrait versus, you know, something that's done with a filter or uh, an app. Uh, yeah. So I get the occasional, can you sketch me? Can you paint me kind of request? And um, if there's, if there's time in my schedule and I, and I'm intrigued or interested in the subject, and I I may do it just 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 cause. Right. Um, but most of it is just you know I'm into that subject or that that individual or whatever it is. Like I'd love to do a portrait of Amanda Gorman. 
Um, she's someone that I, I was so impressed with at the inauguration and uh, really enjoy her, her uh, poetry. So, you know, look for that in the, in the not too distant future. <laughs> well, that'd be cool. Yeah. She's everywhere all of a sudden, isn't she? I mean, I saw her on some commercial for a CBS or something was running a commercial with her on it. And then she was at the Super, the Super Bowl. Bowl. Yeah. 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 That inauguration thing kicked her off. Deservedly so, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm thrilled that someone so young and so talented is getting yes. the kind of attention, uh, you know, too often in the media, you know, folks are getting attention for all the wrong reasons. So, you know, good, good for her and good for us. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And I think what I dig about her is when she talks, she does the way she does her hands and all that, when she yes. expresses herself, I think that's yeah. really cool. As opposed to just standing up there and just like hands straight down and, and, reciting her poetry i think that's yeah. a huge difference in it as well yeah she's very cool i i really enjoy i hope she it just continues to go well for her you know you start seeing more and more of her absolutely yeah i, I understand from uh i forget where where uh who said it on the news i can imagine but like amazon sold out of her books yeah that week that. of the inauguration you know it's that's it's awesome yeah, that's really cool. That was, she's like 24, 25 years old. That's amazing. Yeah, who found who found her for the inauguration? Do you know? I can't remember. Uh, Doctor Jill Biden invited her. Oh, okay. All yeah, right. yeah. Um, she uh, she heard her on one of the talk shows uh, some time ago and, and and invited her. Oh, that's cool. Well, thank God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was really cool <laughs> for everybody. Absolutely. Absolutely. So how did you how did you get into your art and doing, you know, was that something we started when you were a kid? Um, yeah, honestly, I mean, um, if I if, if you go back far enough, my first inspiration is probably comic books. Yeah. Um, and uh, I can remember very vividly uh, laying on the floor at my grandmother's house with my cousins uh, painstakingly trying to render the spider-man costume or batman's cape or uh you know the various different different uh, characters that were popular back then uh oh, yeah. you know fantastic four and uh superman of course all all of those um kids uh, i'm sorry uh characters um there was an older kid who lived next door to my grandmother uh here in brooklyn and he gave us his crates of comic books when you know he was like oh, i'm i'm too old for that now you know here's for your grandkids oh, yeah. so we had a stacks of of inspiration and uh i had two cousins uh my cousin tracy who's passed and uh his younger brother lance who is also amazingly talented and um that was our thing you know i mean when we weren't tearing up the house we would yeah. <laughs> you know we would we would draw and uh we're very fortunate to have um, you know, kind of nurturing, supportive uh, families who would uh, encourage it. And I grew up across the street from Pratt Institute, uh, which is, you know, a, a major art school here in, yeah. in New York. And they used to offer um, Saturday, Saturday morning um, art classes for, for kids. You know, a lot of the uh, uh, graduate students there who were in art education taught the classes and um, and then that grew into a summer art programs for kids. So I've been attending Pratt uh, to some extent since I was about seven 
years oh, of wow. age and um, had the benefit of uh, a community, neighbors who were uh, in different um, parts of the art and media business. My father was in advertising. Um, so, you know, there's a neighbor across the hall who was uh, uh, an illustrator. There was uh, my, my best friend's great grandfather uh, was a watercolorist. Um, uh, the woman across the hall from us, her son uh, was the illustrator, Tom Feelings. You know, so there were, there was a lot of, yeah, there, there were a lot of references um, living references, living examples, uh, right, you know, nearby. And, you know, not all of it was direct, you know, it wasn't as though I was sitting, uh, at Tom Feeling's knee, right. uh, watching him draw, but we had his artwork in the house, you know, um, we, whether it was a book that he'd illustrated or a print that my mother had purchased. Um, you know, so we, we were exposed and, and I, I think, you know, uh, I was, I was all for the better. Oh, absolutely. So after that, did you end up going to school for art? Yeah. Uh, like I said, I've been attending Pratt, uh, since I was about seven. Uh, and you know, once my parents realized that that was something that I was, um, passionate about, um, they were happy, you know, cause it's right across the street and it was a good, good program. So I, I, I went, I don't know how many years of Saturday classes doing different things. One year it was drawing, one year it was ceramics and painting and so on. Um, when it got to uh, uh, high school, um, I didn't go to an art high school. I went, to a, I went to a Catholic high school, but I had a very good set of art teachers there who, uh, again, were nurturing of my, of my ability and um, you know, really helped me get the kind of, uh, portfolio that wasn't exclusively, you know, caped costume right. characters. <laughs> uh, um, <laughs> uh, so that I could, I could get into Pratt, you know, um, and I attended, uh, Pratt. I studied illustration and graphic design, uh, there, uh, from what, 86 to 89, um, or 85 to 89. Uh, however that math works yeah and uh, <laughs> <laughs> and uh y- yeah i i had every intention of being a professional illustrator but um circumstances had other other plans for me and i when i when i finished school i started shopping my illustration portfolio and at the suggestion of a of a family friend i took it to um formerly independent record label island records uh you know where uh, bob marley and u2 and uh steve winwood were the you know kind of uh uh goal you know the post that kept the 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 eight label up um they they used to be over on uh east fourth street and broadway uh, above tower records uh which sadly no longer exists and um I met with uh, uh, one of the two creative directors there. There were two, uh, Tony Wright, who was this British illustrator, photographer, art director, phenomenal uh, 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 person in, the, in you know, album art, and George DuBose, also a photographer and designer art director. And 
he's who I met with and he loved the portfolio. He actually bought a painting out of my portfolio. Really? Uh, yeah. Yeah. She, uh, from what I, he lives in Germany now, but he, he tells me that he still has the painting and it's, it's a source of, uh, uh, of amusement for him. Uh, it was a class. <laughs> I don't, I don't have an image of it. I'd, I'd show it to you, but um, it was a class assignment. And I forget what it was. I think we had to do like illustrate the punchline of a joke or something like that. And, oh, wow. um, I, I did a rhinoceros in a refrigerator. So there's rhinoceroses, um, half, you know, ass inside of a, of a refrigerator, you know, stretching it, uh, from the sides. And it was a watercolor illustration and, you know, there's food on the floor and the light beaming out from behind him. And, oh, wow. uh, uh, George just got a kick out of it and bought it. Um, uh, for not a lot of money. I was just like, how much <laughs> did he pay for that? <laughs> <laughs> I think I charged him $125 because oh, wow. I was just so so uh, flattered and honored that he, you know, that he had the interest and I didn't know any better. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, he said I didn't have, he didn't have any illustration work for me at the time, but to stay in touch. And uh, maybe a week later, he he reached out and asked me if I did any design work. And I said, yes. And uh, he hired me as a design assistant, and I and I worked there as a freelance design assistant uh, initially part time and then full time for for about a year. And um, you know it was uh, making photo stats and setting copy and um, uh, building uh, paste up boards, mechanicals, oh, and yeah. um, helping to do layout on peripheral. You know, like you have your main album. Uh, cover and this was we were still doing 12 inches at the time cds were relatively new um but there was always a cassette iteration and uh, uh promotional uh pieces that would go up you know in the record oh, yeah. stores so i did all of the support stuff you know he he established the design and the look with the with the main album art and uh, i you know then he'd say okay do the cassette single or do the uh, the uh, one by one flat, or do the mini poster, and you know, and and um, it was a great finishing school uh, for me, and you know, it exposed me to something that I, you know, I had always assumed that the people that designed album covers were friends of the band. Right. Yeah. Uh, I had no idea that you know that the record labels employed people to do the, the, the graphic work, uh, in-house, you know, I, 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 you know, I figured it was entirely freelance. So, um, after a year at Island, an opportunity came up to, uh, uh, do the same work as a full, full-fledged designer at Sony music. Oh, wow. And, uh, I went to, uh, to meet the creative director at Sony, uh, Chris Ostopchuk and, um, uh, that would have been, that was October of that year. And then by December I was hired. Um, and, uh, I was at Sony for uh, about five years. Oh, wow. And, um, and it was great. It was, it was probably one of the largest, most efficient design studios I'd ever been in. Uh, in the sense that, you know, you had a, a clear hierarchy of creative directors and art directors, designers, um, production, uh, support, um, uh, project managers, uh, all who 
you know, comprised maybe two floors of, of, of folks uh, at when, wow. you know, when we're at our, at our, at our fullest capacity, uh, designing album covers and, and all the related, you know, content. That was where I did my first photo shoots and um, started to uh, acquire a, an appreciation and a knowledge of photographers and uh, got to work with other illustrators, um, hiring them to, to make album art and other designers. And um, it was really uh, uh, an amazing opportunity. And, you know, uh, album art, uh, which is, you know, part fashion, part design, uh, you know, uh, filmmaking, you know, like there's so much that can go into it uh, uh, and it's popular culture. And so it's, it's, it's constantly changing and, you know, uh, stimulating, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Uh, so to be a young person um, and to be able to do that. And then we got to work on a variety of different uh, types of, 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 uh, you know, recording artists. It wasn't all Michael Jackson, you know, right. we, we did, there was Sony classical and uh, uh, legacy, which dealt with a lot of, uh, you know, formerly, formerly great or still great, but more classical right. in the rock and pop genre and jazz. And, you know, I'd, I'd work with Branford Marsalis and, wow. Uh, Wynton Marsalis and um, Bob Dylan and Michael Bolton and Mercury Rev and uh, Ned's Atomic Dustbin and you know just all sorts of it was quite a range crazy. yeah all over the place yeah. yeah what was your first do you remember your first album art that you did all on your own that you designed uh, <laughs> the first the first two projects that I think I got uh, when I started at Sony, there was a Johnny Mathis uh, VHS video uh, uh, cassette release, and I did the cover for that. I, you know, remarkable. My dad um, loves that guy. He <laughs> loves Johnny Mathis. <laughs> and then uh, there was a wedding album, and uh, it was a collection of wedding songs. This was for Sony Classical. Okay. And um, you know, I had been paired with a number of art directors to help them on their projects, but the wedding album was probably the first one that, you know, I was doing, you know, un, unsupervised. And um, I hired a, there was a, a young photographer that I met through Island Records, this guy, Dirk Vandenberg. And uh, uh, he, he graciously agreed to help me. And I hired him because he was probably one of the few people that I knew personally. Right. And, uh, uh, you know, he had access to a studio uh, uh, over on 14th Street, and what, what is now the Google building. But uh, back then, you know, it was just a random collection of lofts. And um, uh, I think his girlfriend was our model uh, for, the, for right. the wedding for the wedding gown. And we did some basic things of, you know, just focusing on uh, the bride holding the bouquet and uh, you know, the veil and, you know, the, the, the sort of, uh, odd stuff. And that, that was probably my very first album cover. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. I would have thought wedding albums, like wedding music didn't really occur to me that they'd make a whole album out of that, but I can see that. Hey. There are a whole host of things. Yeah. What was the one where you did do you, the first time you did one, you just thought you were excited and couldn't believe you're 
design an album cover for this artist. Do you remember that? Like, was there a bigger name artist? You're like, I cannot believe I'm going to do this. <laughs> Uh, there is a band called Mercury Rev okay. and uh, they had been signed to Sony uh, to Columbia Records. And I, I had, I had only recently learned about Mercury Rev independent of their coming to Sony um, kind of randomly. Uh, I saw their, their um, independent release, uh, their, 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 their first record. Um, your self-esteem at a tower records on uh, uh, up by Lincoln center. And I just like the album art. Uh, and these guys, you know, they would, they had collections of magazines and uh, old picture books from the library and um, various different visual references that they um, used to uh, swipe and yeah. and um not too many art directors wanted to work with them you know because they were very uh hands-on and um you know specific about what they wanted but i was a big fan of the music and so i i asked i requested to work uh with them if it were if it were possible so that's probably the first band that i was really excited and we had a we had a very good working relationship i think that i worked on three or four of their releases uh, oh, wow. before they, before they left the label. I even worked on, uh, we had, we had both left the label uh, at a certain point and, and uh, worked on, on projects together uh, uh, independent of, you know, being employed by Sony. Um, uh, and and uh, up, up until I started working at MTV and I just didn't have the bandwidth uh, anymore right how many how much input do most bands have on the album art when you were there do they go here's depends. my concept here's an idea or are they just like eh, you figure it out De depends on the band you know some bands you know uh uh some bands have been together for a long time and and dream of their album art uh, when they were you know teenagers and yeah. uh had very specific you know, ideas in mind, uh, uh, or, or at least a vision and a direction. Uh, others don't necessarily think about it or didn't necessarily have a, a specific thought. And we're looking for me to provide them with, with uh, an interpretation or a direction really depends. Um, you know, uh, ultimately all of them are looking for uh, some level of collaboration, yeah. uh, whether whether it is because they don't necessarily think beyond the, the, the front and how to, and then how does that carry through the rest of the package? Or um, they may have thought of something for the front, but it didn't quite, you know, uh, pan out the way they had envisioned it. So, you know, you, you, you it, any, any, any creative uh, in, in the commercial field is always some level of collaboration. You know, you, you put something forward and people react or somebody puts uh, an idea out and you interpret it and then they react and you do this back and forth right. and, you know, eventually you find something, you, you arrive at some, uh, something that everybody's excited about and happy about. And hopefully. <laughs> Did you ever have one where it was, it was just a pain in the ass the whole entire time? Uh, sure. 
<laughs> more than one of those <laughs> yeah no i mean you know it's never uh how's that work the second time around like does, does the band so say you it's just not working so paint you were constantly arguing with each other going back and forth back and forth the next time i'm assuming you're not working together somebody else is going to design the second album cover would that be true um i mean i i've always tried to be uh, amiable and, and cooperative. Um, I mean, I've, I've, I've asked to be taken off of projects, but not because, not necessarily because of, uh, the, the design process was, was difficult. I mean, uh, I did have a, I did work with a, a Jamaican, uh, artist, uh, super cat. And, um, he 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 did not necessarily have a uh, an issue with with me as a designer uh, or with my work specifically, um, but he did he did want to do a shoot in, in Kingston in Jamaica, and everybody was like, "Oh, you get to go to Jamaica? That's awesome!" Yeah. And I was like, mm, "Kingston is not vacation Jamaica. I don't know if you really understand what he's talking about. He's talking about going into the hood." Yeah, and uh, at the time, I didn't feel uh, comfortable, mm-hmm. um, you know, going into a strange country, uh, in, potentially, you know, in a dangerous part of that country. Uh, I'd heard stories. Oh, so yeah. I asked not to be assigned to that. And everybody was like, really? You don't want to go to Jamaica? Okay. Anyway, uh, another younger art director uh, there at the time uh, who, was, uh, who was gay, uh, he's like, I would love to go. I'll take it. He went. And of course they're in the hood and in the middle of his photo shoot, uh, a, a drug deal gone wrong or a street incident gone wrong, wound up in a machete fight. Oh, a machete too fight? Far. Yes. <laughs> Not very far from where they were shooting. And, uh, this, this poor kid was traumatized. So I, I felt very vindicated in my, in my choice. Um, but, you know, like I said, that had nothing to do with, with uh, uh, design. Right. Uh, and more to do with just, you know, like, I, I don't necessarily feel like dealing with that. Yeah. Well, it, was, um, it was, I think Chris Rock has some kind of joke where he's talking about, you, I don't know if it's necessarily Jamaica, but he said, you know, you say you're in Jamaica, you're on the bus going to your resort and you look around and like, oh my God, this is the worst poverty i've ever seen in my life look at that you know this is horrible horrible so then you get to that resort and you had that one pina colada and you forget all about it oh jamaica's wonderful it's beautiful <laughs> yeah. yeah i mean it's it's sad but it's it's there's very there's a very sharp line mm-hmm. uh between you know the 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 community that lives there yeah and the resort industry that that they depend on but they're not really able to participate in, uh, in any meaningful way, you know? And, um, that's, that's hard to, that's hard to reconcile, you know? Um, I mean, you know, I mean, I grew up here in New York and, uh, there's, there are definitely gaps, uh, between, you know, the wealthiest and the, and the least, but in the middle of that, there's a lot of, there's a lot of gray that helps to, blend the two a little more together you know the division isn't quite as sharp yes um so yeah when we went to uh turks and caicos a couple of years ago with my daughters and 
they were probably say eight, maybe like 18 and 15 or something like that at the time. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, we were on the the bus or whatever going to the resort and they were looking at the people and the way they lived in the houses. And I was like, yeah, this is how these people live. And they had never seen anything like it before. And I was like, yeah, mm-hmm. everything's not like what you grew up around and what you grew up with. This is the way a lot of people live. And they're like, really? I'm like, yeah, it's not all wonderful. Yeah. Or it was an eye opener for them, which they probably need a lot more of that. Yeah. Well, one of the things I hope we can uh, res- resume when all this is over is travel. Me too. Yeah. I miss that the most. And we were going to, well, we were going to go to Greece this summer and we decided not to just because I'm not mm-hmm. sure that we're going to be able to make it and all that. So now we're trying to figure out where else, because my youngest is graduating high school. So mm-hmm. when my oldest graduated, we went to um, Dominican Republic or someplace. And so we're trying to figure out where we can take her and s- still do it all with this COVID thing. I'm like, I'm not sure. Sure. Hopefully by maybe July, things will be better. We can travel. Yeah. A little bit, but yeah. Yeah. So how'd you get to MTV? So you went from Sony to MTV? Well, I, I, uh, between Sony and MTV, there was Electra Records and I, and I was at Electra for about five years. Oh, wow. Um, so yeah, all, all in, I, I did almost, uh, 11, almost 12 years, uh, in the music industry designing, you know, album art. Um, you meet a bunch of, do you meet all the bands? That you Most just of them, yeah. 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 Who was your favorite? Uh, <laughs> uh, no favorites. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I really enjoyed working with the old 97s. Uh, they're they're uh, all, all uh, what did they call it back then? Um, alt depression, alt- <laughs> uh, I think was the, was the term. Uh, and it was kind of, you know, country rock. Uh, alternative uh, band out of out of Texas, really really cool bunch of guys, and they're still they're still kicking it. Um, Better than Ezra uh, out of New Orleans, they were they were they were really good collaborators, a lot of fun. Um, Pantera, uh, uh, Phil Anselmo and Dimebag. Uh, Darryl, hey, tell me a little bit about Pantera. I saw on your website that um, <laughs> you may have had a, a lot of fun with them. <laughs> <laughs> Always. Um, well, uh, the reference there is that, you know, Pantera, among other things, are professional drinkers. Yes. And, and uh, stories. Yeah. Uh, and I was one of, one of the stories a few times. Um, uh, one of, well, I should go back. So at Sony Music, uh, one of the bands that I'd worked with was uh, Corrosion of Conformity. And uh, the lead singer, Pepper, uh, 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 I guess he and I had hit it off. Uh, uh, really enjoyed working together. That was the first time I got to work with uh, uh, Terry Richardson, photographer, before oh, yeah. he was Terry Richardson. Yeah. And um, we had a great, great shoot, great uh, process. And, and then soon after that, I left Sony. And Pepper uh, had a side project with Phil Anselmo called Down. So when he heard that I was over at Electra and Phil's uh, Pantera and Down were signed to Electra, um, uh, Pepper had pushed for me to be the art director for Down, and um, uh, Down was sort of a collective of New Orleanian 
um, uh, rock uh, artist, you know. Um, and so I met with Phil and uh, being African-American, a number of my African-American friends in the industry were like, Ooh, do you want to work with Phil? You know, he's a racist and, you know, blah, blah, blah. It's like, well, I've never got the guy. I don't know his work, you know? Right. Um, but uh, I had, I happened to mention those concerns to the head of marketing. He said, not a problem. Let's go meet him. And so he was at the recording studio in New York and we met and we had a very good conversation. Uh, we actually hit it off. Uh, his birthday is two days from mine. All right. Uh, yeah. And I think from an aesthetic perspective, um, uh, in terms of design and photography, uh, Phil and I uh, had a lot uh, that we liked in common. So anyway, I did the down album package and that really went well. And so through that, I became the, the Pantera art director based on, you know, Phil's uh, uh, appraisal of my, of my work. Um, but that necessitated a meeting with Dimebag, right. who, you know, if you think about it, um, you know, Dimebag and, and Phil were sort of like the Marcy and Mar of, you know, 90s heavy metal. Right. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, uh, we went, the, the, the music label, the record label and I, we went down to, uh, to Dimebag's house just outside of Dallas and he had, purchased this place relatively recently and it had belonged to a, a couple who were truckers uh and part of why he bought it was the uh the garage was extra large to accommodate the the, the trucks and he turned that garage into a massive recording studio so oh, they were wow. working on they were working on the great southern trend kill at the time which was the follow-up to um far beyond driven which was their breakthrough hit uh uh album and um uh the i don't know what you'd call it sort of like the the family room i suppose uh so it's that room of the house that leads to the backyard oh yeah um uh it's not not really the the dining room like he had all these fancy rooms that were for the most part underutilized everything happened in that family room and it was uh, 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 furnished with, you know, those great big leather, easy boy kind of sofas, recliners with the uh, cup holders for your beer. He had (laughs) uh, Budweiser on tap and he had uh, skull, you know, skull uh, uh, statuettes all around and, uh, red Christmas lights dangling from the ceiling and big screen TV. And, you know, I mean, if, 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 if a teenage boy could have imagined what his ideal room would be, yeah, that was it. That was it. You know, <laughs> that was it. Um, and uh, uh, part of the meeting was I was going to get a preview of the great Southern of the, you know, the first single from that, from the album. And um turned the lights down, had the red lights and some, uh, uh, what do you call it? Um, Not disco lights. I can't think of the word, uh, strobe lights. Uh, Had some uh, red filtered strobe lights go up and 
he had set up uh, these pipes from the ceiling to uh, pump uh, concert smoke from the ceiling, but he had them coming from uh, the, you know the little plastic toy concert smoke, not weed. I'm I'm positive it was concert smoke, but there was definitely weed available <laughs> uh, if he wanted to you know contribute. Um, but he had these uh you know little little red pitchfork toy pitchforks that you get for Halloween. Yeah, yeah. It he'd cut the the very pointy tips off so that the smoke was coming out of uh, the pitchforks. Oh wow. Yeah. <laughs> so. Wow. I have, I have a solo cup of, of, you know, on cap Budweiser and, uh, you know, I don't forget which single that was playing with, you know, loud and, and in person, you know, and I am generally, uh, uh, you know, soft-spoken sedate chill person. Dimebeck, uh, sarcastically nicknamed me wild Jim. <laughs> And that was my, my first meeting with Pantera. Um, there are other stories, but, you know, I don't know how long your podcast listeners have for, <laughs> hey, for as all long, that. Hey, as long as we need for stories like that. That was a, I mean, <laughs> I love this behind the scenes stories like that. How many yeah. covers did you do? For that? Um, I did the Great Southern Trend Kill. And then there was a live album called uh, uh, 101 Proof. Yeah. Um, and uh, I did, I, I worked a little bit on uh, reinventing the steel, but ultimately that uh, uh, I had left uh, Electra at that point. So someone else uh, wound up finishing, finishing that. So two, but it felt like a lot more. <laughs> <laughs> did you go to any shows, any of their shows? Um. I think they did Ozfest. Yeah, uh -huh. I'm pretty sure they were they were headliners for Oz, Ozfest one year uh, uh, out in um, uh, East Rutherford, a giant stadium. And uh, I really I went with the with the purpose of discussing album art. I think uh, it, I don't think it was Southern Trendco. I think we were working on on the 101 Proof, and I needed to to meet with them. And they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll do that later. And uh, so, so we never got to meet, um, but I had, you know, I had backstage passes and great seats. Um, I wasn't that interested in the whole right. event for Ozfest. So I wound up giving my, my, uh, my credentials to uh, some kid out in the parking lot uh, for 40 bucks. Damn. And he was elated. I bet. Uh, <laughs> my friend, my friend, Eric, uh, who was with me. Uh, so, cause it was a, it was, you know, credentials for two. Right. Um, so I gave this kid, he gave us 40 bucks, went across the street to the uh, racetrack. And uh, you know, back then there was no Uber and no cell phones. So I had a previously scheduled car uh, that the, that the record label sent. So I was like, we've got time to kill. What do you want to do? He's like, let's see where this $40 takes us. And, uh, he was a, he was a horse racing enthusiast. So I let him pick and we played the $40 for, I don't know. I think we had an hour and a half wait before the car was going to pick us up again. Um, and we won $360, something like that. Uh, cause we just kept, 
we just kept rolling it over, you know, yeah. like small bets. We just kept, oh, let it ride, you know, turn it over. You know, we'd switch horses uh, with each race. Uh, we had, you know, onion rings and chicken wings and whatnot and in the uh, 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 box that we were in. And that, that's how we spent our afternoon. You could still hear the band from wow. across the street. <laughs> <laughs> if you're really interested, you could hear it muffled, but still present. Damn, that worked uh, out. Yeah, three hundred sixty dollars. Yeah, I, I wasn't mad. Yeah, I wasn't mad at all. Y'all we split, split it three sixty. Yeah, we split it. Very. Had a ride home. Yeah, yeah. I think we had. I think we even had a steak dinner that night. All right. So, yeah. Way to do it. For sure. So, how'd you get to MTV? So, uh, one of the um, uh, design directors, uh, one of the lead. Uh, uh, folks at Sony Music was a woman named Stacy Drummond. Um, uh, the way the the way the uh, studio was set up, uh, there was a an executive uh, creative director Arnold Arnold uh, Levine, and then under directly under him was uh, Chris Ostapchuk, and Chris kind of oversaw the day to day operations uh, uh, of the of the studio. He had uh, initially two design directors. Eventually, I think he had three or four design directors, but Stacy was one of those design directors. And um, I'd worked with her uh, quite a bit uh, over the years. And we, you know, uh, developed a professional friendship. Her husband, Jeffrey Keaton, was the uh, creative director at MTV. Now, uh, I had left Sony um, I was at Electra. I left Electra. I was at uh, a small agency called RDA. And I'd only been at RDA for a few months when uh, another colleague of mine, uh, Tracy Boychuk, who had been working, she and I had worked at Sony. She had been working with Jeffrey at MTV. Uh, Tracy left. And at the time of her departure, um, you know, as it happens occasionally in design studios, there was a sort of a, a, a big turnover of talent. She was one of a few people that left at that time. So Jeffrey was replenishing and uh, my name was suggested. Uh, uh, Stacy and, and another woman, Sarah Rotman, who we, we, we knew in common, both had uh, referred me to Jeffrey. Uh, so I met with him. Uh, I met with his boss uh, a woman named christina norman at the time and uh, you know uh june 26 2000 i started working at mtv oh wow and i was i was there until february 26 2019 so you put a little bit of time there almost 20 years yeah yeah wow that's pretty cool so how was, yeah. obviously you liked it a little bit. <laughs> uh, it was, it was phenomenal. Um, you know, uh, first Jeffrey as a, as a, as a creative person, as a creative leader uh, was really um, an amazing person to work with. Um, very inspiring. Um, he, he had a, you know, I've, I've had great managers uh, through the years. Um, I think Jeffrey wasn't just a manager and a friend. He was also 
um, a great teacher uh, as it relates to design and, uh, and, you know, his outlook on the creative process and, and how, how to approach um, problem solving as a designer and as a creative person. So um, it, was, it was a real pr privilege uh, to work with him. Um, and then we had phenomenal people to work with as well, uh, both, you know, from the design side of things uh, and, and also uh, uh, the kind of support we had uh, from, you know, marketing and, and, you know, the leadership at the time. Um, Judy McGrath, who uh, was, was uh, head of MTV and MTV networks uh, while I was there, or at least the first, first couple of years that I was there, um, she had come from creative. She had come from the promo team before, you know, ascending up. So she had a, a great respect for uh, the process and the people that, you know, you know, what creative needs in terms of you give them some direction, then you give them some room. Uh, so Jeffrey enjoyed a, a lot of support uh, in that regard. And so subsequently, so did we all. Yeah. So what was, what's it like, like the whole culture of everything around MTV? Like, is it, it to me, it seems like it would just be a very cool place to work, very laid back, tons of creative people all over the entire place doing all kinds of crazy shit half the time. But <laughs> it just seems like it would be a very cool place to work. Uh, it can be, and it has been. Um, I mean, did it get more corporate as it, as you, as the years went by? Um, you know, I think you know, every place that I've been, uh, there, there's a certain amount of, um, uh, corporate culture, uh, that, that, you know, exists. I mean, Island was perhaps the least corporate, you know, I mean, the, the art departments, uh, uh, the art department, which was, you know, about as big as my bedroom and housed six people uh, at any given time, uh, was right next to um, Chris Blackwell's office. And at, you know, four, three or four in the afternoon, you know, like tea time, yeah. the scent of marijuana would waft into uh, <laughs> uh, our office. Um, but again, that was when Island was an independent record label and, yeah. you know, I don't think there was any such thing as HR right. and, you know, uh, and, and everybody kind of did, did their thing. You know, if the work was getting done, you know, you, you didn't ask how, um, Sony was a completely different animal, you know, um, uh, Electra was a different animal, not to the same degree, but, you know, similarly, uh, and, and, you know, I think all of the music industry and entertainment industry went through a, a, a substantial shift yeah. uh, in, the, in the late 80s and early 90s when they became acquired by, you know, bigger corporations. And so people who were, you know, functioning alcoholics and, you know, probably drug addicts who had been running things. Uh, were were politely told they had to clean up their acts and um, you know and, and they would get help right. uh, in, in terms of you know substance abuse support and, you know uh, uh, the kinds of comments and things that used to go on at holiday parties or just even on a daily basis in the office where you no know, 
frowned upon in some cases. So, you know, I came, uh, you know, just as that party was ending uh, uh, <laughs> across the board, you know, right. like, uh, 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 all the beard gone flat and, you uh, know, all the best drugs had been snorted right. or smoked and, <laughs> you know, the balloons were starting to fizzle out. Right. Uh, uh, but I didn't see it that way. You know, I mean, I was like, Hey, this is, this is cool. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, but I, I, there was, there was still work, you know, uh, we had deadlines, we had, we had pressures, we had, uh, uh, uh expectations to meet. Uh, and so, yes, it was a privilege and, and, you know, uh, you never lose sight of the fact that, oh, fuck, I'm, I'm getting to design, uh, an ad for Jackass, or I get to work with David LaChapelle, or I get to meet uh, Britney Spears, or whatever, you know, whatever it is, right. you know, all that is great. And uh, you do have a, a, a certain looseness in the, in the culture because it is creative and because it is MTV. But, you know, again, there's also, you know, there's stuff that has to be done. Yeah, your work done. Yeah. Exactly. What was exactly. it like working with David LaChapelle? So David was actually the first person I, first photographer I got to work with at MTV. Uh, As I said, I started on the 26th of June uh, in 2000. Uh, On the 29th of June, I was in LA uh, and we were shooting uh, VMA Creative, uh, which which was late. (laughs) Sounds a little late, yeah. Uh, well, yeah, I guess so. Back then, so VMAs uh, uh, routinely is the end of summer and we were still delivering print uh, uh, creative out of home and, um, and magazines. And um, uh, because of the turnover of talent within, you know, the off-air creative team, um, you know, I, 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 I barely had enough time to meet everybody get briefed on the project and then get on the plane. Wow. You know, um, I had to, I had to apply for a credit card uh, cause I didn't have one uh, just to, you know, just to cover expenses, you know, I didn't even have an expense account. Uh, set oh, up wow. So, you know, <laughs> uh, I've stayed for a few days. Unfortunately I had family in LA. I stayed for a few days at my sister's place uh, uh, before I could get, you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, travel account established but um david was awesome it was the first time i had actually met him um we 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 met at his studio here in new york first to kind of review the the ideas that we were, we were going for and um you know and everything was going to be great we're going to we're gonna have a lot of fun it was all good you know it was like a uh, very uh, caffeinated uh, experience yeah. <laughs> um and uh uh, we were shooting Blink-182. Uh, we were on a back lot at Universal City, uh, you know, because they have those uh, uh, fake, oh, yeah. you know, uh, city streets. And um, uh, <clears throat> yeah, I, I remember a lot of Red Bull, a lot of sunshine, right. uh, shouting through a megaphone, a lot of music um, and uh, uh, a lot of energy. And and I think it, I think it happened really quickly. You know, I don't think, I don't think it took the whole day, you know? Um, uh, and then, and then I was in a car back to my sister's place. Oh, wow. 
you know, wow. uh, and we did, we did six shoots like that for that campaign. Uh, uh, one in LA, uh, one in Chicago, was it? Yeah. Chicago in a hotel, one in, um, Vegas and the rest here in New York. And, uh, we got it all done in, a, in about a week's time. Wow. You know, all the, all the, all the principal photography got done in a week's time. Uh, and then, you know, uh, a week or two after that, you know, creative started coming out of the studio. So you're still know, shooting film at that point or is he shooting digital? So it seems like right on the cusp of everything. I remember, I distinctly remember getting contact sheets. So I'm assuming it was film. Yeah. 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 It sounds like it's kind of cool to work with. I, I, I enjoyed myself. Uh, yeah. and, and, you know, I, I got, in my time at MTV, I got to work with David three times. Oh, wow. Um, and uh, it was always a pleasure. He was, he was always, I mean, I've heard stories uh, about some of his eccentricities, but uh, I always enjoyed working with him. Um, and I think, you know, uh, with, certain, with certain people, you, 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 you go in with a certain amount of uh, uh, flexibility and understanding, uh, like, you hired them for a reason. Right. This is part of the this is part of the the magic, if you will. Yeah. Um, and you go from there. I mean, and you of course was was phenomenal with talent. Uh, very, um, very good at at winning their confidence and and uh, uh, making them rightly you know the center of attention and making sure that they had what they needed to give him what he needed and right. ultimately give us what we needed. So. Yeah, I've only heard two stories. One, well, not really one story. One is just a generalization about him was, and this was probably, I don't know, eight years ago, that a ad agency that I was shooting for had wanted, their client had wanted him to shoot something. And it was an interior thing. I don't even remember what it was for. But so the producer from the agency reached out to David LaChapelle's people, not knowing who he was. And it was like, could David send his book to us, please? We'd like to consider him for a shoot. And they're like, David doesn't send his book to people anymore. <laughs> and just so you know, he is he shoots at his studio in Hawaii now. So you'll have to come to Hawaii. And he's 80 grand an image, final image. Wow. Wow. And my first thought was, damn, that dude's <laughs> got the life right there. You can come to me in Hawaii. I get 80 grand an image. And I don't even have to send my book in. I was like, that's amazing. Uh. The other story was <laughs> supposedly JCPenney hired him for a photo shoot. And the creatives on JCPenney were trying to tell him how to shoot. <laughs> he evidently told them to leave. Everybody had to leave set. It was like, you hired me for a reason, go away. And then he yeah. did the shoot. I don't know what shoot it was for or how it turned out, but that was the only other story I'd heard about him. And I was like, yeah, somebody at JCPenney evidently just was like, let's get David LaChapelle and then we'll tell him what to do. And, I was, and even I, yeah. I don't know anything about him other than I know better than that. So. Yeah, the, the closest we had to, to that. So that that first shoot I described, um, you know, 90 percent of the talent were thrilled to be photographed by David. Yeah. Right. And and that was part of why you hired him, because we knew that talent would participate knowing that he was the person who was going to be taking their pictures. Right. right? 
Um, and they were as excited about him as, you know, most of their fans would be excited about them. Right. And so we had that year, it was the Red Hot Chili Peppers, Little Kim, NSYNC, Blink-182, Jay-Z, and um, Britney Spears. Oh, that wow. was the that was a six. Jay Z was probably the only person that that pushed back uh, because of David's uh, sexual uh, orientation, um, and he did not want that to. Uh, oh, yeah, I can see that uh, impact his, you know, fan base. Right. And so a lot of what we a lot of what we wanted Jay Z to do. He was like, I'm not doing that. I'm going to show up. You're going to take my picture. Then I'm going to leave. And that's pretty much what happened with Jay-Z. We got a great shot. You know, right. it, was, it, was not, it was not thematically. It wasn't exactly what, what we had in mind. It was a whole New York themed uh, 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 shoot. Um, Jay-Z was not the problem. Britney Spears, on the other hand, her team was like, we want to edit the photo shoot. I was like, well, David edits the photo shoot. You can pick from the edit right. which picture you, you, you like. No, we want to see the entire photo shoot. Mm, I'm very sorry, but David is not going to budge on that. I mean, I'm, this is me uh, right. negotiating with uh, uh, Britney's management. And I don't even think Britney Spears gave a shit. It was her people in the record label. Yeah. And uh, at one point, uh, they accused David of being a pedophile and that the shots that he took of Britney were inappropriate. Meanwhile, all of the styling choices, all of the hair and makeup, all of the glam, yeah. those were her people. Those are the people that she requested. They put her in the outfit that we shot her in, you know, um, not that David objected uh, to the, to the outfit, uh, but, her oh, people yeah. set her up, you know? And so uh, I simply didn't know any better, but, you know, growing frustrated with the back and forth, I said, well, here's the deal. I have um, billboard space to fill and this is my deadline. If you're not prepared to make a choice on the image, I'm going to fill it with these people. Right. And then we'll figure out what you where where you go after you go, you know. So that helped to expedite. I shouldn't right, have said yeah. it. Oh yeah, you know it was it was one of the Times Square uh, spaces. I did not have the authority to do that, uh, but like I said, I didn't know any better. But, but it, hey, if it, they didn't it, know you didn't us, have the authority, what difference is it? it works? Yeah. So there there are two. I probably have it somewhere. There are two versions of the of the Britney art for that VMA campaign. Uh, one uh, uh, where her face is a little less um, retouched and she's got a very uh, uh, enticing look on her face. Um, then there's the one that the record label in her management pushed for as a little more, you know, innocent uh, looking uh, uh, face, right. I guess, you know, so it wound up being a little bit of a head swap. <laughs> she was probably in her early twenties. Yeah. That's you what know, I was thinking. 22, maybe. 
Right. If that. Well, that sounds like stories I've heard about record labels and their control of artists sometimes. It's, it's, it's on, it's just on what, Hulu or Amazon just. Oh, that's right. That. There's some documentary. I haven't watched it yet. Yeah. Have you yeah. seen it? No, I was afraid they may, may have mentioned me. Oh, well, I'm definitely <laughs> no, going to watch it. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. My little, my, my little billboard scandal. No, I don't know. I, I haven't seen it. Uh, yeah, I haven't watched it either, but so did you have a favorite project at MTV? Like one that really stuck, stuck out in your head? One of my favorites, also with David LaChapelle, but did not include uh, talent, um, was the, the year that followed 9-11, so 2002. Yeah. Um, you know, we were all still grappling with, you know, the attacks. And what we decided to do for the promotion of VMA that year was to um, celebrate the city, celebrate New York. And we went around, this was very different for David. You know, we were not in a studio. Right. We went on the streets of New York and we approached um, real people, random people. We had some ringers, but for the most part, they were real people. Uh, and we had a, a, a life-size uh, uh, um, cardboard man. cutout yeah. of the moon man. Yeah. Um, uh, foam core, that's the word I was looking for. Okay. It was a foam core cutout of the moon man. Uh, that stood about six, six and a half feet. And we asked these people to pose with the moon man. And uh, we went down to uh, Battery Park and got uh, on the uh, Statue of Liberty ferry. Uh, we, and shot, you know, the moon man on the ferry. We shot at the Plaza Hotel with some of the doormen at the Plaza Hotel and had a, you know, a, uh, 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 you know, the horse-drawn carriage in the background. Yeah. We shot uh, in the East Village with a Korean deli owner. Uh, we shot uh, with some Hare Krishnas and Tompkins Square Park. We shot with um, some punk rock kids on St. Mark's Place. Uh, we shot down on Wall Street with a bunch of, uh, uh, you know, business dudes yeah. uh, at, by, the, by, the, by the bull. Um, we, it was, it was two days of shooting and, and we just covered uh, a range of culture from New York. And like I said, it was real people and the, the enthusiasm and the affection that folks had, uh, for what we were doing, um, was phenomenal. And as a series of, of, of images, um, those are probably the fav my favorite um, um, in my, my first half of my, my stay at MTV. Um, the close second would be the, the various uh, Teen Wolf campaigns that uh, I got to work oh, on yeah. uh, promoting, promoting that show. Uh, and then of course, uh, uh, Skins US, uh, we had a, we had a, the, the, the popular TV series from the UK, Skins, which focused on a, a small group of uh, teenagers uh, leaving, leaving high school. And, you know, by today's standards, they, it almost seems quaint, but, you know, they were, they were 
drinking and doing drugs and having sex and going to raves and fooling their parents and their teachers. Uh, but there was also a lot of humanity and the, the, the creators of that series uh, came to MTV to do, you know, a version here. Uh, it didn't, it didn't work unfortunately, but we had a phenomenal time um, recreating some of the debauchery that the, that the brand was famous for. So is that more of a, was that a scripted show? It was a scripted series. Yeah. It was a scripted series. It was one of our, it was one of MTV's first scripted series in the, in the second decade of the, of the two thousands. And we hired Jason Macedo to shoot. And we, we, uh, the, the, the series was filming up in, in Toronto. So we were in Canada uh, with the kids and we found this great warehouse space and the kids were phenomenal. Jason was phenomenal. And uh, all of us agreed to be fearless in capturing, like I said, the debauchery. Uh, our press department and our marketing teams were a little less uh, fearless, yeah. <laughs> uh, but we were able to find a middle ground in terms of, you know, uh, what worked right. uh, for all our needs. Yeah. It was really cool. So oh. those, those are probably my three favorite things. On the, the David LaChapelle shoot, how did he pull that like as lighting, as far as lighting went, did he have a strobe with him or did he just use available light or bouncing or how'd that work? Uh, he had a small crew, but I'm pretty sure he had a strobe. Uh, okay. for, for most of it. And, you know, uh, those silks, circular yeah. silks as needed. Um, I mean, it was, it was exciting for him, I think, uh, because we were out of the studio and we yeah. were, you know, running lean and, and, and on the street and not with some of the um, uh, niceties that, that, that studio shooting provides. And of course, you know, he he typically has a, a elaborate sets built for for some of his things. Right. So you know uh, the, the 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 city itself was his set, um, but you know they're they're still David LaChapelle pictures and they're still beautiful, um, uh, dynamic, energetic uh, pictures. You know, uh, which is which is what you want. Yeah. Um, yeah and and again, I. I I like that the city and the, and the residents of the city became the, the showcase and it wasn't about, you know, uh, Britney or Madonna or, you know, Eminem or Jay-Z or who, who kissed who, or who, who right. wants to be, or doesn't want to be shot by, you know, we didn't have to deal with any of that. So did you ever work with Madonna? No, no, I didn't. <laughs> I have to think about that. Uh, I mean, I did not know. Yeah. I was Uh, in town, I think for that, that one where he had all the, he did the slim shady thing and like had a hundred dudes. I was, I didn't even know what was going on. I'm just walking down the street and all of a sudden all these guys looking exactly alike, just come passing by my makeup artist and I were, we were had just finished having dinner and we were just like, what the hell is happening? And we kind (laughs) of followed them to see where they went because we had nothing else to do. Yeah. Realized what was going on at that point. And I was like, oh, okay, it's MTV. Now I got it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So it looks like we're hitting up a little over an hour. So I'm going to ask you the last question and I'll let you go. Okay. What's the most interesting or strangest thing that's happened to you since you've been in the whole, this whole business? 
I'm not sure. I'm not sure that anything very strange has happened, but I also don't know. <laughs> that's a that's a tough metric uh, given uh, where I've worked, <laughs> okay, I've worked for. Yeah. Um, that's a good question. I, I really don't know. I mean, I personally, I don't think, I, I think I'm somewhat parochial uh, compared to, uh, you know, some of the people I've had the privilege of, of working with. Um, and, you know, I guess there was a time for a while when MTV's uh, holiday parties were, you know, infamous uh, for the uh, the abandon that that you know the participants would would partake in. Uh, so I guess there was a there was a holiday party, small ish holiday party, where uh, my team decided to go to a strip club, and at guys and girls, all right. of us, and we got thrown out because the women in our in our group wouldn't stop dancing with the with the strippers <laughs> and you know uh in spite of the fact that you know they were of the same gender and seemingly everybody was in into it right. uh you're not allowed to do that so we got thrown out of a strip club um yeah. i guess that's one of them I, I i'd have to really think about it uh uh because you know it could be <laughs> you know i mean I, I could probably recall a, a Pantera story uh, uh, and a night of drinking that probably went further than it should have. Um, you know, but like I said, it's a strange metric given given you know the 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 people I've had the privilege of working with. Right. Um, strange is relative. That's that is true. That's for sure. Well, Jim, thank you very much. I've thank really. You. Really enjoyed this. Um, everybody watching, listening, like this, thumbs up it, subscribe to it, comment on it, and uh, we'll keep on doing it for you guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, everybody.